Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. If you are a builder, remodeler, or contractor, this is your go-to resource for business growth strategies, as well as marketing and sales tactics. On this show, you'll hear from industry leaders, construction professionals in the trenches, and from our team of digital marketing experts here at Builder Funnel. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. Let's get started. Hey, welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. This is episode number 48 with David Lupberger. And in this episode, we talk about many, many things, but one of those being how do you recession-proof your business? Things are good right now, but it seems like everybody is expecting a downturn. We just don't know when. So um, we talk about how to recession-proof the business. We also talk about how to create clients for life. And then as a result of these two things, how to create a sellable asset in your business. So some really powerful topics. Um, we go into the weeds. There's some tactical, actionable items that uh, if you're at the gym or you're driving, you'll probably want to take some notes. So maybe you'll plan on listening to this one again, um, or you'll be pausing it like I do when I listen to stuff and, and jotting down some ideas. But I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Again, this is 48 with David Lutberger. Hey, David. Thanks for being on the show today. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Very well. Good, good. Um, well, I'm excited for, for today's conversation because I think uh, the topic is really powerful. And I think sometimes maybe it's something business owners forget about. But before we get into talking about clients for life um, and some of the details there, I kind of just want to hear from you. You know, How'd you first get into the industry and um, you know, get into the business? Um, you know, honestly, I got in when I got my college degree and it was uh, basically kind of a, a social work kind of degree and discovered um, in the uh, field work that I did prior to getting the degree, I didn't want to do it. Honestly, I just discovered this was not something I want to spend the next who knows how many years doing. Sure. And a friend of mine said, I'm building a house. Do you want to help? And I'm thinking, you know, how many contractors, in fact, I'll do, you know, public presentations at different uh, chapters and at the remodeling shows. And I think I've asked people who sat in high school uh, dreaming about the construction company you were going to build. I'd never had more than three hands go up. <laughs> yeah. Because I got there indirectly. And I think that happens to a lot of us. Yeah. So I got into it. It seemed to work. It seemed straightforward. I enjoyed doing it. And then as a helper, became a carpenter, became a lead. And at a certain point, you know, like many entrepreneurs, you say, hey, I can do this on my own. Yeah. Not quite as easy as it sounds. <laughs> but uh, then, you know, the, if you start doing small jobs, the small jobs lead to bigger jobs. And I did enjoy the relationships, um, not only with my clients, but with subcontractors, with suppliers. And so it's a very unique field in that respect is the partnerships we, we had. And I really enjoyed those. Yeah, that's super cool. And yeah, I think you're right. We, you know, a lot of people just kind of, you fall into it and one thing leads to another. And then here you are with your own business. And uh, I'm kind of curious, you know, once you had, had kind of gone through all those steps and you had your own business, I mean, what types of projects were you working on? Kind of where was your sweet spot? What were you guys doing? Well, I ended up uh, moving to... Uh, Washington, D.C., and I think everybody will relate to this, that if you start working in certain areas, 
that because the demographics of the area, both the age of the homes and the, uh, the financial ability of the homeowners. So I ended up working in North Arlington, which okay. is just across the Potomac from Washington, D.C. And if there's a perfect remodeling market, that's it. <laughs> because you've got the federal government that insulates the economy, civil servants who can't be fired, um, 30 square miles around D.C., all the homes were 40 years old or older. And because of the Potomac and traffic, you can't move out. <laughs> and so people had to remodel. And North Arlington was a wonderful area. And, you know, it started with smaller projects, but I think if you're good at what you do, then it ended up going into the full design build model of working with people, you know, from the concept through completion, you know, six to 12 month relationships. And I really did enjoy that part of it. Yeah, that's cool. Well, uh, well, good on you for picking a good market there with, uh, with all those things going Com on. Complete but. luck. You know, <laughs> I didn't pick it. It picked me. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, you still have to do good work, right? So. Yes, you do. Yes, yeah. you do. Well, and if we kind of fast forward to today, now you're doing, uh, you do a lot of speaking. I think you were telling me you do maybe like 20 speaking gigs a year or something like that. Um, yes. You know, what, I guess, what gets you fired up and excited to travel all over and, and talk about this stuff? It, it's a great question. And 25 years ago, when I was still building, I wrote a book um, called Managing the Emotional Homeowner. And to me, it was common sense, put together a book in the NEHB, NEHB Press, the National Association of Home Builders, they published it. And so once that book got out, um, it resonated. And then I started getting invitations to speak. And, you know, after 20 some years, 25 years of building, I was ready for something different. And, and I do enjoy this. And in all sincerity, I, I love the people in the industry. Honest, straightforward. They're just going to get the job done. Unpretentious. They're just a great group of people. And so being able to work with, you know, very honest and hardworking contractors and just bring some best practices. Um, I enjoy it. And so I do some speaking, I do some business coaching and, um, it's really, you know, for my age and you can see I'm a, I'm a 60 is the new 40. Okay. <laughs> so, so I enjoy doing it. It's been a nice transition. That's awesome. That's super cool. Yeah. And I know one of the things you speak on and, and work with companies on is this concept of clients for life. If you had to kind of summarize that or define it, you know, what, what does that mean to you? It was when I was building you know, when we really talk about the full design build concept, um, six, eight, 10 visits, going through the design, developing pricing, building a relationship, arriving at not only a design, but a budget that people can afford, then going through all the construction. So literally sometimes a six, nine, even 12 month relationship. And what struck me even then is when the job is done, I'd shake their hand thank you. Glad I could work with you. Love the space. If I can help you in the future, let me know. And then I'd start over again. And that was where it occurred to me after the fact that that's what we do. We've got this project-driven business model where once we end 
one job. We're looking for the next one. And we forget that unless somebody has done a whole house remodel, and in most cases, it's not whole house, but unless they've done a whole house remodel, your clients, if they're staying in the house, um, are thinking about the next project. They may not have the budget. They're definitely suffering from construction fatigue. You know, <laughs> they want their house back. But honestly, one, two, three, five years, they're thinking about what they'd like to do next. And so the idea behind this client for life is, and this was kind of the tagline, when any project ends, our relationship is just beginning. And um, HVAC contractors, are you familiar with the service agreements they sell? Does that ring a bell? Not super familiar, but yeah, I mean, you basically install something and then they're going to come back and, you know, maintain. And it's like, if you do a, if you have got air conditioning and a furnace, they come back in the fall, lubricate, clean the furnace, check the thermostat, come back in the spring, uh, clean the air compressor, lubricate, check the thermostat. It's just like kind of taking your car in for an oil change. So the equipment lasts longer and you're on their preferred list also. So they figured this out for any, you know, four to $600 a year. Um, you come back, they come back and service your units and it does make them last longer. So what kind of triggered all this, I asked uh, an HVAC company owner, you know, these service agreements, what's this worth over a 10 year period? And I'll never forget, he said, honestly, David, if you look at not only the cost of the service agreement, but then repair and replacement over a 10-year period, he said these are usually worth twelve dollars to $15,000 per client. He had 400 service agreements. And the reason I bring it up is he's, in a sense, begun to recession-proof his business. Because when I said we've got a project-driven business model, it's great right now because the market's good. But I can also say in 2008 and 2009, when we hit the downturn, when we hit the recession, people pull the bigger projects off the table due to consumer confidence. So my question is, you know, can we create, can we diversify and create another profit center? So if the bigger projects go away, we're still working on some of the smaller or replacement projects. And so that's really the focus of this is to become my client's go-to for every question and concern about their house. Um, most people don't do this because they don't know how to coordinate it. So we could talk more about that. But it's really about just saying, let me provide this service and moving forward. Just like you have a family doctor, a family dentist, even a family mechanic, can I become your family contractor? Yeah, I, I love it. And it makes a lot of sense, just like you said, from a diversity standpoint, you know, if yes. you've got these big projects and they go away. Um, let's dig into it a little bit because I can hear a lot of people kind of saying, well, hey, I don't want to do small That's projects. Right. That's why I've worked my way out of these small projects. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. But obviously, there's a strong case for it. So, um, I guess, what would you say to those contractors that are saying, hey, I've worked my way up. I'm kind of using this design build approach. I'm doing bigger projects. I've set a minimum. Maybe it's 20 grand. Maybe it's 50 grand. Some people are right. that, you know, I don't want to do these little thousand dollar repairs or stop by and, you know, 
do some some stuff. Uh, what's the counter to that? <laughs> it, it's a great question. And the reality is those builders, the design build folks, mm-hmm. they're getting calls from some of their clients saying, this is broken. This doesn't work. I need some help. And I was hearing that again and again. So the reality is I'll have remodelers tell me I'm getting those requests and I'll say, what do you do? And they'll say, well, it means I've got to pull somebody off out of the field to do it. And then I heard the concern that um, because it can take two or three weeks before they get somebody that the client becomes upset Mm -hmm. because they call, I need some help. And so I did this with a company here in Boulder. And the idea is that if you do this correctly, so I start with a, a simple home evaluation and go in and I, I learned to do a, a proactive warranty visit. So one was at, nine, at three months after a job was done, going back in the home, doing a simple walkthrough, all right? And it's funny because I've asked 200 contractors, what do you do during your warranty period? And the bravest one said, I cross my fingers and hope nobody calls. But the other people said, I send an email. If there's an issue, they can call. And so I said, well, let's change that a little bit. Let's go back into the house and put it on your schedule. Tell them during the sales process, when your job's done, I don't disappear. I'm coming back at three months. I'm going to look at what we've done. I'm going to check for nail pops, you know, drying caulk. I want to make sure everything's working. And 80% of your clients will say, okay, that makes sense. That's a five to 10 minute visit because you're looking at what you've done. It's, is everything working? Here's what we discovered in going in that visit. You're speaking, you've been invited back into your client's house. And I swear 20% of the time they'd say, David, as long as you're here. And they'd bring things up. And so that was the first opening. And then I do the same thing at 11 months. Because everything we installed has, you know, a one-year express warranty. Mm-hmm. So let's make sure everything's working. And after that second visit, uh, I would say, we're going to come back and do a simple home evaluation. I'm going to give you a list of recommendations to help you take care of your home. You've made this investment. They're just things I can, I can bring to your awareness. When can we set that up? You know, and the reality is not everyone says yes, but 75 or 80% do. I go through the simple evaluation. It's not a home inspection. Simple evaluation, high points, what I know needs attention, what they're aware of. And we put together a service list. And I'll kid you not because of the questions we ask. Everybody, in fact, let me ask you, do you, got a to, do you Spencer, have a to-do list on your own home of things yeah. you, could, you could do? Yeah. All right? Always. And it's not an emergency, but yeah. honestly... You don't call either because it's not an emergency or you're not quite sure who to call. All right. So I'll do that simple follow-up visit and I'll always identify anywhere from eight to 12, 14 different to-dos. So number one, I can put together a project list. Never go anywhere for less than a day. So it's profitable. So number one, I can bundle for profitability. Number two, are there times when contractors have open days? If you look at your schedule, drywall going on, you know, demo, whatever it is. Well, let's take those open days and begin to route the people back into these to-do lists. 
Is it sexy? No, but it's cash flow. And you're really building a relationship with the homeowner. And all I could say, and I mentioned this earlier, if you do the small jobs, the bigger jobs will follow. And the kicker in the simple evaluation I do was if they weren't moving, I would ask people um, if cost wasn't an issue, and it always is, but if cost wasn't an issue, you're not moving, what else would you like to do to your house? And they'll tell you, because remember, you already have the relationship. And they'll tell you they'd like to redo the master bath. They'd like to finish the basement, putting a deck across the back of the house. Because again, you've got that relationship. And so I'm making notes about that. And so I, this, what happened was this involve, evolved into two seasonal checkups. We'd go out in the fall, tune the house up for the winter. I'd go back in the spring, tune the house up for the summer. And there's always simple to-do list. But I'd mentioned when we went in on that three-month visit, in about one in four, one in five cases in those visits, uh, we, there were upsells because people would say, gosh, as long as you're here, we made it easy. We're talking to them. Yeah. It is smaller projects. So we put together a list of service people because every contractor already has the roofer, electrician, plumber, painter, drywall, mason, landscaper. So we put together agreements and I would, I would invite these service people to the office and in 10 minutes, they understand that when you meet and engage people, work will follow. So number one, I'd ask the service people, uh, do you do service work? Let me make sure that first. Mm-hmm. Number two, if I give you a referral, will you respond in 48 hours or less? And number three, do you understand this is reciprocal? Because just as I'm going to be referring work to you, you will be in clients' houses seeing where we can help them. So I needed a yes, yes, yes. Um, We all did this with um, two handyman companies because there were certain small projects that just the contractor didn't want to handle. Same relationship. Can we refer some of this small work? Um, And in that case, it was interesting because for handyman companies, um, their work also, small job, lead to bigger jobs. And they'll get requests to do kitchens. And anytime they start moving into plans or permits, they're really not qualified to do that. Yeah. So then they would cross-refer. So it really was about just putting together an informal referral partnership. And it's about just client management. And I don't know another way to say it. Um, it, It's not sexy, but you can manage this, number one, if you bundle. So nobody goes anywhere for less than a day because of the work. Number two... Because, as you just said, you're living with your to-do list and not an emergency. I can now control the schedule. And that's the problem with small projects. Small projects is people, you've got to try to coordinate the work. Well, if I know what the work is ahead of time, I can tell my client, you know, we can't get out there until, gosh, it looks like early August, you know, because of our workload. We've got the list. Can we do this in early August? We found that most people would say, that's fine. All right, you've got the list. And then every two weeks I'd check in. I'd just say, Spencer, I haven't forgotten about you. We're still scheduled for early August to come in to do the list. And so then it's just simple client management again. Yeah. And if you do that two or three times, um, 
your clients don't call anybody else, number one. And when we went back for those seasonal visits, let's say I did some work for you, you know, this summer. And um, we put together, you know, do the service list. And I'm going to say, by the way, you know, after next winter, because your house is ready for, for the next year, can I call you next spring to come in and get your house ready for summer? And what would your answer be? Absolutely. Why not? Yeah. Why not? All right. And when I'd come in for those visits, I'd say, you know, when, when I saw you last summer, Spencer, you talked about the deck across the back of your house. Have you thought any more about it? Because I'd remind them about that conversation. And we discovered with a company in Boulder that 90% of the people would say, you know, no, we haven't thought about it. Thanks for asking. Very informal. The kicker was the other 10% would say, you know, we have been thinking about it. And because you're in the right place at the right time. So really the reason why the builder did it in Boulder is knowing that his clients, you know, would do future projects. Could he put together a database because of these relationships so that he could feed, he could basically build a pipeline and know in one, three, five years what his clients are thinking about. So he actually put together a little department called Home Care and Repair and put together a service van. And it evolved into that because the demand grew. But within six months, he's in the black. He's got a service van. And the question often comes up, you know, who does this kind of stuff? Well, the irony was he had uh, an older contract, an older carpenter, you know, mid-50s. The carpenter was slowing down but really did good work and was wondering, you know, kind of what to do with this very experienced gentleman. Well, we rolled him into this service role because number one, there's nothing he hadn't seen before. Number two, he was really good with clients. And so he didn't need to be in a rush, but he did need to be experienced. Yeah. You know, he had that seasoned eye of what to look for. He knew how to interact with people. He knew how to coordinate the work that was going on. And so that became the person in that service van. But that only comes after demand comes. But in the meantime, bundle the projects, schedule according to your people's ability. And yeah. so you can, move it, you can move it out of a reactive model into a proactive design and build a pipeline at the same time. Yeah, there, there's a lot of good stuff in there. And there are a couple of things that stood out to me. I mean, your last question that you said that was kind of the kicker, I think, is genius, really, because, yeah, you get that list of potential future projects from the homeowner. And, yeah. then, and then the other piece was, I think people's concern is, I get these calls from clients and they say, oh, can you help with this or can you help on that, with yeah. that? if you're receiving the call, the urgency is elevated, but you flipped it around and you said, I'm going to just be there twice a year. And so now you're building the list and you can schedule it for a couple months out or however far out you need to, because they're not urgent projects. Am I hearing you correctly there? It's completely correct because I've I've never understood how handyman companies make money, to be honest. (laughs) You know, they're running two, three or four calls a day, drive time. I just, it, it's a, it's a tough business model versus, well, let me take every client and let's go back to when a project ends and I introduce the proactive warranty visits, you know, three months and 11 months. 
I'm funneling them into, you know, this program because now they know I'm going to be visit and I'm setting this up for this recurring, the recurring visits, you know, two seasonal visits a year. So I'm putting them right into that program. In addition, once people understand how to do this, um, then when they get these service calls, I'll tell people, well, let's, let's rearrange this because right now it's reactive. So tell the person, let me see what I can do. I'll try to get somebody out there. And the biggest thing then is just to manage the relationship. Get somebody out there, handle the problem because that's where the pain is. But at the end of that visit, then you say, gosh, Spencer, this took place. I see it again and again. Had we just been here sooner, I could have addressed this. We've got a program I can tell you about. We just do a simple evaluation. We make note of what needs to be done and we give you a list. Can we set that up? There's no cost. You're a past client. Takes about 45 minutes. Would you be open to that? Yeah, so I, I, can, that. I, I can then take the clients and redirect them again into the same program because my job is to then, you know, resource management. Who's available? When? When are there open spots? And the key to this is number one, bundling. I'm not going anywhere for two hours. I'm not spending the drive time. And clients will actually understand that, yeah. which is I want to maximize, you know, the work that we're doing on your house. Uh, but it, honestly, if you go through the evaluation, um, there's always a handful of things. And I'm talking about every year replacing the batteries and their smoke alarms, not just one, the entire house. And can I tell you one simple story in regards to that? Yeah, please do. Hey guys, just a quick announcement before we get to the rest of today's episode. We've been getting a ton of feedback on our done for you social media program. Now, if social media has been a frustration of yours or you feel like you're not posting enough, this is the perfect solution for you. And as a listener of the podcast, we've got a special promotion going on right now. So just head over to remodelersocialmedia.com and use the code radio at the checkout. So if you want to get more engagement and more people finding you on platforms like Facebook and Instagram, hit pause really quick and check out remodelersocialmedia.com and use the code radio at checkout. All right, back to the show. So the, the company in Boulder got a call and the lady said, my uh, smoke alarm started chirping. And when do you think they usually start to chirp? Uh, when they're about to go out. <laughs> At, at two in the morning. Yeah. Oh, All right. Sure. Oh, sorry. What time of day? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so it, it starts to chirp. <laughs> she had a vaulted ceiling in her master bedroom and, you know, the smoke alarms at the top of the vault. So 15 feet up. Jeez. So she calls us out. She said, I can't go through another night like this. So the guy went out, replaced the battery. And then he said, I'm going to change every battery in the rest of your house. She said, what do you mean? He just said, it's what we do. So once a year, we come in and replace every 9-volt battery in the entire house. And she said, you'll do that. And they said, yeah, it's part of the service we give. And she said, what else do you do? And he, then he talked about you know, the service program. And I'm not making this up. She said, boy, my handyman just moved. I've got some things I'd love you to look at. So we went out and did the evaluation. And in the evaluation, she brought up that there were two bathrooms that they wanted to remodel. She brought up there were some windows they wanted to replace, you know, and basically she already had a relationship with the company, but basically this was simply, she didn't know that the company did this 
And it became then, um, you know, source of work that had we not been out there to replace those batteries, she wouldn't have known. Yeah. I love that because I've seen this happen and not just in this industry, you get to know a company and you think they do X and yeah. because you're not in the company, you don't know. They also do A, B, C, D, you know, all these other things. Uh, of course, we know what we do as our own company. Right. Oh, sure, we do all these things. But, you know, the clients, they're not thinking about us all the time. They don't know everything we do. And even if we think we've communicated it, you know, they probably need to hear it more than once. So, uh, well, that's an awesome And story. every contractor has had the experience. They're driving down the street and they look and they see on a past project somebody building a deck or rebuilding a porch. And they say to themselves, you know, why didn't the client call me? is because they had lost contact. Yeah. And, you know, so they didn't know the builder did it. And, um, you know, after about a year, if you haven't actively engaged a past client, they've probably forgotten about you. They're certainly not thinking about you. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about that a little bit, kind of logistically, as you have these clients and you're scheduling these visits, you know, do you have a preferred method or way of remembering to one schedule the visits but then even check in you said you'll even say hey we're still on the schedule to meet in august and you'll kind of yeah you know a few reminders prior you know that it takes time and effort it's a small amount of effort but you have to be diligent you can't forget those touches so do you have a, a kind of a method to the madness so to speak well what you're what we're bringing up here is relationship management so a job finishes. And here was the other kind of win-win. When a lead carpenter finishes a project, they're ready to move on to the next job. You know, they've been on this thing for one, three, five, six months. And you get to kind of a punch list. They want to finish the punch list and move on. Yeah. So we would have this, you know, um, client for life, the warranty person they would accompany the lead on the final walkthrough. The lead would say, let's put together the list. When we finish this, I wanna introduce you to David. David was the one we mentioned that we'll call you back in three months and we'll do the walkthrough with you, the review, any questions or comments. So we arranged for a formal handoff. And so the lead carpenters loved it because they knew that warranty items came up that somebody was addressing that and they're on to the next job. Yeah. They don't have to worry All about right? that. Yeah. They don't worry about it. And now the handoff's taken place and there needs to be someone managing that relationship, which is, you know, most people have some kind of contact management software. Mm -hmm. So you're entering that into, you know, the client, the warranty visit, visit questions or concerns, and it's not the service person. It's not the carpenter. There's somebody at the office, owner, spouse, you know, an office person that's managing those relationships. And in any good CRM program, then the reminders come up. And so whether you're using a traditional CRM or even some of the integrated software, you know, co-constructor, builder trend, you can also then enter the uh, projects that you did, the things that were completed. And every year you can send your clients a list of the work that was completed for them. And, you know, it's just a simple little, 
when you're highlighting what you're doing for them each year, um, you know, when you go to your car mechanic, they have a list of everything they've done for you in the past. And I think that builds trust. If there's ever an issue or concern, you know who to call. And that's the relationship I want to develop with past clients. Yeah. That there's nobody. And honestly, if you dig a, a project for somebody, in most cases, you know more about that house than your client does. So let's just continue because there'll always be more things. Always. Yeah. That's just the nature of it. You know, stuff yeah. wears down. So no, that that's awesome. And um, kind of curious too. I know a lot of people right now are really busy. The economy is strong. You know, yeah. modeling has been good for a while. Uh, I can imagine a lot of people listening to this going, this sounds incredible. It sounds like a great idea, but I'm so busy. You know, I'll just, I'll implement this in a year or two. You know, why should people start now, you know, putting something like this in place? You know, it's, it's a great question. And in some of the public events I do, I will ask, you know, do you think a downturn is coming? And honestly, you know, 75% of the audience will say, yeah, nobody knows when. Sure. And then I'll say, and, and I'll ask, what are you doing to prepare? Because you saw what happened in 2008, 2009. And the answer in most cases is nothing. We're too busy. So we're kind of laying the stage for a similar outcome, which is if you're not preparing or diversifying, why will the next downturn be any different from the last one? So you're right. People are saying, I'm too busy. I'm overwhelmed. I can't handle the work that I'm doing now. I'm understaffed. I understand. So all I just say to people is proactively, starting today, introduce these warranty follow-up visits in the house at three months and 11 months. Begin identifying those lists because now what I'm beginning to do, and if people did, you know, 20 projects a year, and I'm just picking a number. Sure. That, that's 40 visits in the next year. You'll be invited back in those, that person's house. And I'll guarantee you there's going to be upsells. I'll guarantee you there'll be a list of items that people want done. If I did that a second year, now I've done that with 40 people. So the work may not be sexy but it's cash flow. Yeah. And my, my best comparison is in 2008 and 2009, if we look at, you know, people buying cars or doing something like that, they may not have bought a new car in 2008 or 2009, but they did service it. Yeah. They knew they had to take care of their car. They didn't stop going to the doctor. All right. I'll still go to the doctor. Um, dentist. I'll still go to the dentist. Um, people will perhaps, you know, say, I'm not going to redo the kitchen, but let's go ahead and repaint the exterior. Let's go ahead and update the furnace. Let's replace the hot water heaters because they're 12 years old. They'll do those things because it's an investment that maintains the value of their home. And this is where they need an advisor, somebody they trust saying, let's look at the following things. So those service work, those replacement projects, because if we look at um, the, the home components, so roof, windows, siding, paint, HVAC, um, they all wear out. And so just like a good mechanic, 
if I looked at your tires, you know, this summer and I said, you're fine right now, Spencer, but you know, come next winter, um, you're in Colorado Springs, there's going to be snow. I'd really recommend you replace the tires, you know, by winter just to be safe. We can be doing the same thing with our clients saying, you know, let's focus on extending the life, but you need to be aware of some of the expenses that are coming. Um, are you familiar with like a blower door test? Do you know what that is? A what test? A blower door test. Mm-mm. A blower door test, it puts a negative vacuum in a house and you do what's called an energy audit. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. So it shows where the house is linking. All right. And so if a home has a high heating or cooling bill, if there's cold spots and drafts, you can eliminate it. So you come in with insulation and air sealing, but a longer term strategy is after insulating and air sealing, is there a way to replace those single glazed double hung windows? Do I begin looking at um, upgrading uh, to a higher efficiency furnace or hot water heater? If I'm staying in the house, I can actually begin to create a, a strategy with my client saying, let's begin to look at some practical improvements when appropriate. But if I can help you understand not only the cost, but let's work this into your budget, those are investments that maintain and improve the value of the home. And that's the other conversation I want to have with people, which is, you know, if we're talking about doing these things, what makes practical sense? And insulation and air sealing, that's an inexpensive cost under two grand for most houses. We'll eliminate drafts, all right? We'll reduce heating and cooling bills by 20 and 30% if done correctly. And this is, again, the expertise of a good contractor. I'll bring in people who will do it correctly. Yeah, that's awesome. And I like, um, I like what you talked about in terms of kind of the recession-proof elements of that because people maintain, you still have to pay for some of those things. I think the cool part uh, to me as I'm listening to this is going, okay, it's recession-proof or more recession-proof. Uh, typically, those types of businesses tend to be more competitive, price sensitive, that sort of thing. When you think of uh, things that maybe people are more commoditized or however you want to say it, but because you've got the relationship, you're not competing against two other guys or three other guys. Like you're just getting the work. And so you get the benefit of being recession proof, but the, the benefit of being kind of that trusted advisor and not having to bid, you know, doing a couple of windows. It's like, well, sure, of course I'm going to have you do them. I'm not going to spend the time to bring somebody else out here and, and look at this. Um, so, yeah, I, I love that. It, it's all the relationship. And I've asked people, you know, do you have a, a favorite car mechanic? And most people do. Mm-hmm. And I'll ask, is he the cheapest in town? And they'll always say, well, no. And I'll say, why do you use him? Because I trust him. All right. Yeah. They've taken care of me. So do you mind paying a little bit more for that service? Well, of course not. Yeah, you right? want to get They're burned. Gonna, <laughs> you want to get burned. And so it's the same thing with your clients. When you have that relationship, cost is one factor, but it's not the most important factor. Yeah. They trust yeah. you. They know you have their best interest in mind. You're identifying things. It's, it's almost a small version of the design build. You're just creating a design build process for the care, maintenance, and upkeep of their home. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's great. Well, and uh, I'm kind of curious too. You've, I think you've t- 
touched on it throughout our conversation today, but um, maybe talk a little bit more about how do you kind of shift this mindset within the company to be more customer driven than project driven? Because um, I, I think, like you said, you know, people we kind of like do the project, complete it, move on, do the project, complete yeah. it, move on. And so how do you yeah. kind of turn the whole organization so that everybody's thinking about it from customer focus standpoint? It's a, another great question. The, the owner has to believe in it. And so the old story, it starts at the top. Mm-hmm. But because people are so busy now, first thing I do is start, you know, on every job you're going to finish this year, let's start introducing the in-house warranty visits. You're invited back into the house. You're going to build and begin to create that relationship. Um, Everybody in a company, because design, build, and construction, any good owner knows it is a relationship-driven business, and people don't hire you until they trust you. And we go back to the first job. They only hired you because they believed in you, they trusted you would finish the project according to the terms that you agreed to. So all I'm doing, and I'm repeating myself here, is extending that relationship So if I can introduce this into a warranty concept, um, most people in the company will understand. Um, The lead carpenters in the field, the production manager, it's a complement to what they're doing. So in many cases, it won't affect those people directly, but I will want some kind of relationship manager, somebody in the office making notes, um, putting in the reminder, whatever we did for people, you know, letting them know what was done in a given year and then coordinating the work that's being done. But to me, it's a simple add on. And can I, let me pose a question for you because you begin to see what's possible here. If I worked with, are you married? Yes. Okay. Imagine I worked with you and your wife for the next 10 years. All right. And we did these two seasonal visits, spring and fall. Um, We did repair that might come up during that time. We did component replacement, windows, exterior paint, doors. We might even bring in that energy efficiency component. Mm -hmm. And so there could be, you know, upgrading furnace, um, insulation, hot water heater, and remodeling. Because let me ask you the same question. Are you planning to stay in your home for the next five to 10 years? Uh, well, we aren't, but... Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, and, and it's a great because sometimes if they're not, then this doesn't make sense. Sure. But let's, let's pretend we'll, you're saying... Well, we'll, well, yeah, we'll say... We're, we're going to... Yeah, we'll run with it. <laughs> all right. And then I'm going to ask you... Your whole you know, example there, but I uh, figured out... Yeah, yeah. It, you know, you have to ask. You, you try it and there, some, most of the time it works. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Well, now we're staying, so... <laughs> all right. Now you're staying. All right. That's the correct answer. Yeah. So if you thought about staying in your house for the next 10 years, are there some improvements you'd like to make if for you stayed sure. in that house? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So then we talk about what those were. So let's go back and say, if I'm working with you and your spouse doing two seasonal visits a year, doing any repair and upkeep, 
doing component replacement, energy efficiency upgrades, and remodeling. Potentially, what are the sales if we include remodeling over a 10-year period? Potentially, what would that number be? Man, I mean, depending on the size of the house and the area, I mean, it could be 300 grand to a million, you know? Um, That's the correct answer. So just for math, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a contractor. Sure. I try to work with math. Yeah. Um, let's just use 100,000. So if I'm doing this 20 times a year, all right, introducing this at the end of every project, I'm potentially adding 2 million in annual sales on, an, on, a, on a yearly basis. Yeah. If I did it with 20 people next year, that's the pipeline. All right. So it's beginning to recession proof the business. And again, the work isn't sexy. All right. But it's work, it's cash flow, it's keeping people busy, it's engaging your clients in a meaningful way. Um, and in a very real way, you take the client off the market. And if I did that over five years, and um, there, our nickname for this was just come and do a client's is once I have that relationship, you would just call and say, David, the following thing is, is, is off, come fix it, all right? Because they're more concerned about getting it done and taking it care of. And so if I have, let's say, 100 theoretical client for life notebooks, reviewing what they have done and reviewing their wish list, that's now future value. And the last part of this was you're building asset value for your business. And that was answering the question um, when bankers said, would they ever finance a remodeling company? And the answer was usually no, because remodeling companies start over every year. People don't do big projects on an annual basis and we're subject to the whims of the economy. Mm -hmm. If I can demonstrate recurring revenue, that's when a, a company builds value. So honestly, an owner can begin to look at this and say, if I've got a hundred of these client for life notebooks, we now begin to understand the recurring revenue, potential future projects, in addition to the work that they're doing now. That's a strong business model. Yeah, that, that's amazing. I love that. Um, well, David, I, I feel like we could talk about this for, for quite some time. I, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I've got a couple more questions as we wrap, but before I get to those, um, how can people connect with you, learn a little bit more about what you're up to and you know, find you online, that sort of thing? So the company name, remodelforce.com. So www.remodelforce.com. Um, my direct line, 303 442 3702. Go to the website. And if you click under, I think products, I've got something called client for life. And it just reviews, you know, what this is. And so there's some course materials, but I also do a six session online training. And I did that because, you know, you and I can talk about this, but then when you go to work, you know, life takes over. Yeah, the whirlwind. So I put, I put it into online training where I'll review one part of the program and you'll not only review that with me, but then you implement it. And when we meet two weeks later, we implement part two. When we meet four weeks later, we implement part three. 
So I've tried to set this up so you not only understand, I give you the course materials, but you're implementing it during the course of the rollout. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and we'll make sure we link all those up in the show notes so people can get to those super easy. Um, David, we're going to close out with kind of a new segment that we're doing on the show. We're calling it the the Fast Five. So it's kind of some rapid fire questions and uh, we'll, we'll put you on the spot a little bit and, and see okay. how it goes. But uh, what's your favorite business book and why? Oh, uh, good to great. Good to great. Um, yeah, Jim Collins. Um, why is that? It's, it's just the, the, the things he reviews is so simple and so straightforward. And again, it goes back to working not in your business, but working on your business. Yeah. Um, another one is, uh, you know, the E-Myth, Michael Gerber. It's a great one. And very, very straightforward, which is you start with the end in mind. Yeah. And we always forget to do that. But if I'm building a business, what's the outcome? And can I, can I create a roadmap to get there? Yeah. So I gave you two. Cool. Well, I'll take two. I'll always take more books. Uh, <laughs> Who's the most inspirational person in your life? It's going to sound corny, but uh, my wife. I don't um, think it's corny. No. Okay. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, her support, her, uh, just what we've done in our marriage. Um, she keeps me grounded. And I think I do the same thing for her. She might disagree. <laughs> but. Um, I think the mutual respect and that we're building something and she's actually an executive business coach, interestingly enough. Oh, that's awesome. So we just ended up in different markets, but uh, you know, we both love what we do. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Well, if you could have one superpower, what would that be? Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, anything goes right. Anything goes, yeah. Man, the, the ability to predict the future. Ooh, I like that yeah. one. That's a good one. So to really say, if we know what's coming, um, proactively prepare. That'd be kind of a fun one. I like it, yeah. that's. Uh, I would say that's not a common one, but I really like that one. Um, all right, uh, describe yourself in three words. I guess what comes to mind is highly energetic. I like That's it. two words. Two words, even more <laughs> yeah. succinct, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you get, I got one left over, but yeah. Uh, highly energetic, highly passionate. Okay, I'm up to four. That's okay. We'll just, highly was the same, so we'll count it as three. So <laughs> There you go. Highly, ener highly energetically passionate. Love How about it. that? Yeah. Perfect. We'll make it work. <laughs> and then uh, final question is, uh, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that be? If I piggybacked what we've just been talking about, it's really trying to cement the concept. When any project ends, your client relationships should just be beginning. That's awesome. You've already made the toughest sale. It's the first one. So that was always kind of my tagline, which was when any project ends, our relationship is just starting. Yeah. So that was what that would be a nice parting comment. I agree. Yeah. Well, well said. And, uh, David, yeah, this, this has been awesome. I think, uh, everybody listening will probably be, if they're driving around or at the gym, they'll go back and want to re-listen and take some notes because, um, there was a lot in there. So th thanks so much for joining me and, uh, yeah, thanks for being on the show. 
Thank you. Great question, Spencer. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, David. Thank you. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode with David Lutberger. As promised, that was definitely a note-taking episode. There was a lot in there. Um, Great ideas. And the whole philosophy just makes a lot of sense. But a couple of action items as you're kind of digesting all this information. Uh, One of those was the next time you get a call from a past client where they say, hey, can you come help with this? And it's a small project. Um, Go ahead and take it. Go out on that call and then build that future project list like David was talking about. You know, hey, what else around the house do you want to do or do you need to do? And, And build that out. And then now you've secured some future work. Uh, Maybe you can schedule some time in a couple of months and you've got some notes for maybe one, two, three years down the road on a potential remodel or some more work. So I think that was um, item number one. Item number two was the next projects that you are completing, go ahead and schedule that three month and 11 month check-in. And again, you can start getting them into that rhythm and that you're always in the home, you're identifying new projects. And I think between those two things, those will go a long way towards starting to get this system implemented. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Builder Funnel Radio. I know there are a lot of podcast choices out there, so it really means a lot to me that you choose this as one you either subscribe or listen to regularly. Now, before we part ways for today, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you got some value out of today's episode, please either leave us a review or share this with a friend. We're really working on building a community of construction professionals that wanna treat their customers right, they wanna run profitable businesses, and create more jobs in our economy. So leaving a review or sharing it with a friend really helps us build that community, and we'd really, really appreciate it. All right, guys, that's all I've got for today. So we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.